Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie. Today is Thursday, September 14th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. Today in Riverside, expect a high temperature warming up to 86.1 degrees and a low dipping down to 64.7 as we transition into fall. Now let's tackle the day's top news stories. The crux of today's national discussion revolves around President Biden facing an impeachment inquiry amidst tensions of a looming government shutdown that could potentially disrupt the functioning of numerous government services. The political climate is reaching a boiling point and will be shedding light on how this affects us all. Meanwhile, a lethal cocktail of fentanyl and stimulants is driving a fourth wave of the ongoing overdose crisis in the U.S., according to a new study. The scale of the issue is alarming, and we'll delve deeper into the repercussions and possible solutions. Turning to the economy, growing confidence in the stock market is making waves as a surge of upcoming IPOs from Birkenstock, Instacart, and Arm Holdings demonstrates faith in a robust market and growing economy. And in the media world, controversy stirs around Gannett's new hires. A slew of dedicated reporters to cover pop stars Taylor Swift and Beyonce has sparked questions about reporting ethics, celebrity culture, and journalistic priority. Stay tuned as we unpack these stories and offer you the insight and analysis you need to get your day started. This is Alex's News. We begin with the major story making headlines across the nation. House Republicans have launched an impeachment inquiry against President Joe Biden, a situation brushed off by the president as a mere attempt to cease the operations of the federal government. Elias, what's behind this move from the GOP? That's right, Connie. This inquiry primarily revolves around the business dealings of Biden's son, Hunter, as well as the family's finances. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy announced this inquiry recently, as he is also trying to rally votes to avoid a looming federal shutdown. The White House, meanwhile, has denied all allegations against the president, flagging them as baseless. And how are the proceedings shaping up in the House? The intriguing point here is that the inquiry is transpiring without any formal House-passed rules, which, according to the Democrats, lacks transparency. The House Republicans appear divided on this issue, with conservative members advocating for immediate inquiry action and a reduction in federal spending, while some moderates are supporting the probe. Worth noting, however, is that not every conservative is pleased with McCarthy's decision. If I understand correctly, this disagreement could have serious implications? Absolutely, Connie. The concern is mainly tied to federal spending. More conservatives want to see this cut back. Should the budget not be funded by September 30th, which is rapidly approaching, we may face a government shutdown. This situation puts significant pressure on the Republicans to agree on a budget plan promptly. That's quite a tight spot. What has the response from the White House been regarding these allegations? White House advisor Ian Sams has asserted that the allegations against President Biden remain unproven. The president, naturally, is looking to focus on addressing the issues of the American people. Now McCarthy is alleging a culture of corruption around Biden. What's the context there? McCarthy has branded this issue with strong terms like culture of corruption, abuse of power, and obstruction when referring to Biden and his family, 
He has, however, not provided any concrete plan to avoid a government shutdown with funding slated to end September 30th. What could happen if the government does indeed close? A government shutdown could trigger wide-ranging effects, Connie. For instance, the processing of immigration could face significant delays among other potential implications. It's a situation Congress would undoubtedly want to avoid. A very complex situation indeed. Thanks for the detailed rundown, Elias. My pleasure, Connie. Always here to shed light on these pressing issues. We move now to an important and startling revelation about the ongoing overdose crisis in the United States. Multiple esteemed sources, including NPR Illinois, NPR Health News, NPR's Shots, Health News, and the scientific journal Addiction have highlighted a new trend. And our correspondent, Grace, is with us. Grace, can you enlighten us on the details of this new development? Sure, Connie. This centers around the increasing combination of fentanyl, a powerful synthetic opioid, with stimulant drugs like cocaine or methamphetamine. The number of overdoses involving both of these types of substances has seen an astronomical rise in the past decade, a 50-fold increase to be exact. Last year alone, this mix accounted for 32% of U.S. overdose cases and caused around 35,000 deaths. This sounds incredibly serious, Grace. Are there any insights into the causes behind this surge? Indeed. The lead author of the study, Joseph Friedman from UCLA's David Geffen School of Medicine, has pointed out that the mixing of these drugs has significantly impacted the U.S. overdose crisis. We already had waves caused by prescription opioids, heroin, and fentanyl on its own. This new trend has been termed the fourth wave. So it seems addressing this crisis requires a clear understanding of drug use. How does this study advise tackling this fourth wave? Unfortunately, the crisis can't be tackled without acknowledging the issues within our medical system. We've been able to increase effective medical treatments for opioid addiction, but treatments for stimulant use disorder are far less common and lack sufficient funding. This discrepancy could exacerbate the crisis further, considering how common it's becoming for fentanyl to be mixed with cocaine or meth. From what you've said, it seems like mixing opioids and stimulants could have a lethal effect. Could you further clarify this interacting risk? Absolutely. Opioids and stimulants have opposing effects on the body. Opioids, like fentanyl, can slow one's respiratory functions, while stimulants, such as cocaine or methamphetamine, cause constriction in the blood vessels and increase the body's need for oxygen. This combination is potentially lethal. Added to that, the toxic and unpredictable nature of the drug supply just amplifies the risks, Connie. And where does this crisis seem to be having the most impact, Grace? There are definite regional differences, Connie. The Northeast seems to have a more prevalent issue with fentanyl being mixed with cocaine. Conversely, in the South and the West, fentanyl is more frequently being mixed with methamphetamine. This underscores the notion that this crisis could be affecting different populations in different ways. Any possible solutions on how to combat this rising crisis? One solution lies in the widespread availability of what's called an overdose antidote, better known as Narcan. Making this available in areas where these drugs are frequently used could prevent a significant amount of these overdoses. Moreover, it's obvious from this study that treatments focusing on stimulant use disorder need to be given equal attention alongside opioid addiction treatment. Are there any initiatives addressing this? There are, indeed. 
To give an example, a city in Virginia has stepped forward to tackle the situation. Portsmouth is offering free resources and training on reversing overdoses. This initiative forms part of the first Appalachian Save-A-Life Day, involving hundreds of sites across more than a dozen states. Training includes administering naloxone, another name for Narcan, and participants receive a kit with naloxone and crucial information about local resources. This is an encouraging step in the right direction, Connie. Thank you, Grace, for sharing this crucial information with us. We can clearly see that addressing this crisis needs significant and holistic intervention from all sides. Absolutely, Connie. There's a lot to consider, but every step forward is a victory. Absolutely. Grace, thank you once again for shedding light on this issue. We're on to our third story of the day, and this one, folks, dives into the upswing in upcoming initial public offerings or IPOs from companies like Birkenstock, Instacart, and Arm Holdings. To help us unpack this, we have our specialist correspondent, Ethan, on the line. Hi there, Ethan. Hello, Connie. So, Ethan, let's dive straight in. There seems to be an IPO rejuvenation of sorts happening. Give us an overview of the current developments. Absolutely, Connie. We're seeing a definite uptick in high-profile IPO filings lately. This was preceded by a pretty quiet period when we hardly had any big names listing. The recent flurry seems to be indicative of a growing confidence in the stock market and broader U.S. economy. It's quite heartening after the challenges that the pandemic put us through. Fascinating. Now, one IPO that seems to be garnering a lot of attention is that of Arm Holdings. Could you explain why this particular IPO is so important? Arm Holdings is indeed a major player here. They're a chip designer getting ready to go public on the NASDAQ with shares priced at $51 each. This places the company's value nearly at $55 billion. The listing is significant, not just due to the valuation, but because it's a clear symptom of the revival of investor confidence. It is worthy to note here that the stock market's seen major growth this year, with the S&P 500 up more than 15% and the NASDAQ up over 30%. So this optimism seems to be mirrored by other companies as well, like Instacart, Clevio, and Birkenstock. What can you tell us about these firms' IPO plans? Yes, these firms have also filed their respective paperwork to go public. It is indicative of a growing trend of companies using favorable market conditions to raise capital and fund expansion strategies. However, industry analysts believe there's still a sense of caution prevalent, and they don't expect a full-blown IPO storm. The economy's health and potential interest rate hikes will play a role in determining the number of future IPOs. Speaking of the economy, this rise in IPOs surely shows a strong comeback from the pandemic's impact, doesn't it? Absolutely, Connie. Look at Birkenstock, a renowned footwear brand. They've decided to go public after operating for more than 200 years. This move is a clear indication of their intent to capitalize on favorable market conditions and broaden their business horizon. Similarly, Instacart's IPO throws spotlight on the burgeoning online grocery delivery sector, which has seen rapid growth during the pandemic. So overall, what does this surge in IPOs mean for the market and investor sentiment? Well, it's a sturdy sign of investor confidence in the economy and stock market. These companies wouldn't be going public if they didn't think the market conditions were favorable. It showcases broad optimism for growth in a multitude of sectors and reflects the economic recovery after the pandemic. So, keep an eye out, Connie. We're in for some interesting times in the stock market. Indeed we are. Thank you, Ethan, for your insight and expert analysis on this. We greatly appreciate it.
Let's dive into our last story of today's lineup. Gannett, the most extensive newspaper chain in the United States, is taking a unique approach to covering the cultural impact of musicians Taylor Swift and Beyonce Knowles-Carter. Joining us to discuss this in detail is our very own Chloe. Chloe, what is the current situation, and how did we get here? Connie, Gannett's latest hiring move is indeed fascinating. The company has announced that they're bringing on reporters solely dedicated to covering these pop culture moguls. The journalists will be working extensively with Gannett-owned newspapers like USA Today and The Tennessean. The role is designed for modern storytellers and requires multifaceted skills in print, audio, and visual journalism. That certainly is unique. You mentioned that they would be covering the cultural impact of these stars. Can you delve a bit further into what that entails? Absolutely, Connie. The Taylor Swift reporter will examine her influence and her impact on the music and business worlds, including her extensive fanbase. As for the Beyoncé Knowles-Carter reporter, the focus will be on her effect on society and the numerous industries she operates in. These roles will concentrate on both the cultural and economic impact these artists have on society at large. Now some critics have expressed concern about Gannett creating these roles. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yes, Connie. Critics argue that these roles could trigger a culture of sameness, potentially overshadowing local art stories. There's an apprehension that Gannett might be prioritizing superfan behavior over journalistic integrity. Still, if carried out well, the reporters could turn into de facto national authorities on the cultural resonance of these high-profile female artists. I can see where those fears stem from. But surely there must be voices in support of these new roles as well. Indeed there are. Supporters argue that these positions encapsulate positive narratives about black women and demonstrate the colossal economic prowess of both Taylor Swift and Beyoncé. Some critics, on the other hand, see this as a failure to invest further in local journalism, particularly in the wake of significant layoffs at the company. It seems that the debate encompasses more than just Gannett's internal structures. What has been the artist's take on this move? As of now, Connie, representatives for both Taylor Swift and Beyoncé have refrained from commenting on the job listings. So, their stand on the matter remains a mystery. Interesting. So, to wrap things up, Chloe, what do you think this move by Gannett signifies for the future of music journalism? The creation of artist-specific roles could be a glimpse into the future direction of the industry. While there are valid concerns surrounding these positions, they also hold the potential for invaluable, insight-driven coverage. However, their prevalence and success hinges on the reporter's ability to transcend fandom and bring balanced coverage. This incorporation of artists into the fabric of journalism might well be aiming to feed a growing reader interest in celebrity lives and their societal implications. Indeed, only time will tell how these roles will shape the future of music journalism. Thank you for your insights, Chloe. An intriguing discussion for sure. Informed by reports from Associated Press, ABC News, Ground News, CBS News, and The Washington Post. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, the Eleven Labs Text-to-Speech API, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.